What's up, guys? It's Matt with MB Marathon, joining you for Season 4, Episode 35 of this week's podcast. Alongside me is my co-host, Ryan Coppinger, and we're pleased to be joined by two guests of G&T Sports Talk, Julian and Bobby. Guys, it's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having us. We're really excited to be here. Thanks for having us. We are excited for this opportunity, of course. Um, we have the Grunt Talk, our website, and that's how we do um, everything on the um, videos and all that, and that's how we network. But right now, we're just trying to see what's going on with this meetings. It's been a little slow so far. We have a Lance Lynn trade. We had a trade for Rafael Iglesias. Other than that, it's just been like minor moves. Yeah, and that's uh, literally – these meetings, we all knew it would be really quiet. And last year, you know, when we were in San Diego, the big, we always talked about this, Julian and I, the big fish. We got Garrett Cole, brought him back. And this year, it's just been really quiet. And we we all say this. We're hoping for some big movement. So far, the big movement has been the Lance Lynch trade that literally happened yesterday. Right. Ryan, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, it's cold here up in New England, but I'm looking forward to maybe some fiery uh, moves looking ahead here in the next couple of days. As we've kind of t- touched upon, it has been quiet, um, but we're really kind of hoping that changes over the next couple of hours here. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to touch on, and me and Ryan talked about this on last episode, but the top free agents, the, the big tier, you know, we're talking about LeMahieu and Real Muto and Springer and Bauer. Um, I'm really hopeful that one of these guys – fall during this meeting is to kind of set the tone for the market and let the rest of the tier two, tier three free agents fall into place. You know, we've seen teams like the White Sox take advantage of of those guys and, and going out and trading Lance Lane and signing a guy, you know, like Adam Eaton for a one-year deal. But if someone like LeMahieu goes, which I think he's more likely within that group, I think we kind of get an idea of where this market is going to be and how, you know, how fast it'll happen. But I don't think Bauer is going to sign till the first day of spring training. It, you know, obviously I'm kidding, but uh, let's, hope, let's hope it's quicker than that. No, I know it it'll be quicker than that. But his point is, he's going to take his time and make sure he can get every fan base behind him. Yeah, it's um with Trevor Bauer. I'll be honest with you. I asked Brian Hoke this yesterday. I was like, "Is there any outside chance the Yankees would be interested?" And he unfortunately said no. But uh, I honestly think. Uh, the writing's on the wall. I think Trevor Bauer ends up with the Mets, especially since his agent and him have said that he likes what the Mets are doing. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Ryan. You'd like That's to hear a that. great point that you say there. I mean, after seeing what's kind of come down in the last couple of days, I think I've kind of got my main mind made up as to where Trevor Bauer is going to land. And I'm kind of down to two spots, and the Mets are one of them, the other being the Angels. Yeah, I, it's kind of looking – yeah, it's looking more and less likely that he's going to return to Cincinnati, and I really think he's going to test – the bigger markets of either LA or New York and kind of make up his mind between the two. It's really going to come down to what team wants to give him more. If he actually takes a short-term deal that almost any team's in play. I think the White Sox could have been a dark horse, but they took themselves out of it. I feel like with the Lance Lynn move yesterday, one sleeper team that I've been talking about that's like lurking in the weeds and they seem connected with everyone is the Toronto Blue Jays. I can see them being a sleeper. I don't think they'll end up getting him, but, They've been talked about JT. They've talked about Springer. And I think Springer to the Mets might be the first domino you see fall, even before LeMahieu gets re-signed by the Yankees. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are, have been talking about this Lance Lynn move. And I don't people think I don't people I don't think people are valuing it as much as they should be. Lance Lynn is an elite starter. 
And for the price that some of these guys are going for on this market, I mean, you know, Drew Smiley, we saw Gosman and Stroman take the qualifying offer. They got Lance Lynn on their books for $8 million. And the pitcher he's going to be, he's right there with some of the best on the free agent market right now. And they're not going to pay anywhere near that. Plus, they got themselves set up. You know, obviously, they give, they'd give give up the big prospect in Dan Dunning. And in, in my eyes, it's a win for both teams. One's got prospect that can develop, and we've seen a little bit of him in 2020. But with the with the White Sox, they have now Giolito, Michael, Lynn, and possibly Kopech if he remains healthy. So it, it, our team's going to try and push the trade market. You know, because of the free agent market, we have Bauer, we have Spring, or we have Bauer, we have Tanaka, and there's a few others. Paxton is another, but I think a lot of teams are going to be looking via trade with guys like possibly Snell or or Corey Kluber rather than spending the money this off season. I think the White Sox literally that trade this team is just going to be really good for quite some time. Look at all the weapons they added, and two years ago. We were all joking about the White Sox, especially Julian. You should ask him about his time with uh, with uh, White Sox Twitter. He'll have a fun time talking about yes, that. The but child uh, arrow um, man. But yeah, no, the White Sox. I like what they're doing. It was a great trade, and you you said it great yourself. Is that it was a win win for both parties involved, and the White Sox are going to be there in 2021 and beyond. That they're I like what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I wanted Lance Lynn for the Yankees. I was banging the table to get Lance Lynn back, and I got a lot of criticism for it. But some people were for it. People were like, oh, we didn't pitch that well with the Yankees. But he actually pitched better than the numbers showed. And he also – there were two things. He didn't even throw 60 innings for the Yankees. He started spring late. And that one time – his last time out was the Yankee was bad. But he was put into that situation. The bases loaded, but he shouldn't have been into. They should have put Chad Green in that spot. I don't get why Lynn ever pitched in that situation. But – it's not – it's gone now for the Yankees. He's, But it would have been good because they're talking about all this money crunching and he only makes $8 million, So it would have been nice to slot him in. What do you what do you think about a Sonny Gray reunion? I've, I know um, we've heard some <laughs> of those talks. Not on that train. Not on that train. I, I just feel like our options are, are, are slim as far as the Yankees go problem, for, for starting pitching. And you got to take advantage of some of these guys. I mean, as a Yankee fan, I'd be even willing to take a – a chance on a guy like Corey Kluber in a low risk, high reward, something that, you know, he can kind of rebuild himself because they need innings after Cole, you know, there's obviously Montgomery and hopefully you see a lot of Debbie, but there's not much to fill the hole. Clark Schmidt, maybe her mom will be around Severino going to come back late. So it's going to be interesting, but the options are slim. Like we said, yeah, um, in terms of a Sonny Gray reunion, you know what? When we Yankees got him, I was really excited and, you know, had high hopes. It just unfortunately didn't work out. And a lot of pitchers who come to New York, it sometimes doesn't work out. But I agree with you. I'd rather have Kluber than Sonny Gray. I know he's older and his arm has had a lot of innings, but I'd rather take a shot with Corey Kluber than Sonny Gray. Yeah, I definitely don't disagree with you guys there. I've said it for a long time now, and uh, again, like yourself, Bobby, I was a Sonny Gray fan, and I still am when he came to New right. York. I've always loved the way how he's pitched and how he's poised with how he's been poised with himself. However, I just I never saw Sonny Gray as a big market uh, pitcher. It's what it came down to, and he struggled in the spotlight, as kind of New York fans know and are familiar with. And Cincinnati was a good fit for him to kind of swing back to where he was back in Oakland. And I think that's just the way it's going to have to continue for Sonny Gray. I don't think. Uh, he's going to come back to a big league city such as New York. Um, Cause I know there's been rumors, maybe even with the Mets, maybe trying to 
swing a trade for him. And uh, I know there's been more talk with the Yankees, but I just don't see that reunion happening. And I think for the Yankees, they're better off going off, uh, going after one of those second tier guys rather at this point. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Like it's just, I, it doesn't fit here. Like he looks good in Cincinnati. Like Lance Lynn, I think could come back and be fine, but Gray, it's just like something else is at play. Like he talks about how he didn't like pitching in New York. I was going to suggest the Padres to but then I remember Ralph Child's still over there, and those two are not a good mix, so that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. I think Rothschild was a big part of the problem, too. But, yeah, they got to look at the Klubers. I guess uh, Jose Quintana even, maybe even Odorizzi. They're Tanaka, we think, will be back. That's what Hoek said, despite all the stuff that's been said today about the Yankees not being in. We still think that that's a good possibility in the end. Yeah, you know, one thing I'm seeing from this meetings are is the the aggressive team's going to take advantage of the market. We saw that with the White Sox going out and getting their guy. They knew who they wanted. They've said it. They wanted Lance Lynn. They just recently signed Adam Meaton. Those were their guys going into it, and they, they saw the market wasn't where it should be right now. They got on. Same, same with the Royals. I didn't think that would be a team that's making as many moves. Now, they're not blockbusters by any means. They're not top-tier free agents. But a guy like Carlos Santana signing for two years, $18 million, $18.5 million, I didn't see the Royals doing that. They wanted their yeah. guy. They could make that fit, and they're being aggressive. A lot of these teams are kind of waiting for the market to play out, and the universal DH where that stands has a lot to do with it. But I think the aggressive teams are going to have a lot of talent that they could take advantage of, especially with the non-tenders and, and all the free agents that came onto the books after those teams weren't tendering them contracts. Yeah, I I actually really like the um, signing by the Royals for Carlos Santana. I think he provides some pop in that bat for that lineup. And, you know, looking back at the Royals when they were successful in 2015, they haven't been as good back then as right now. But, you know, this could provide a spark for them. I really do, you know. And they got new ownership with uh, Patty Mahomes in there. Maybe he uh, can bring some players in there for that. I But seeing that today... Low risk, high reward type of signing. I feel like for the Royals, I like it. Yeah, me too. I, like, I just, I just like to see them making moves. I'm, I'm actually giving them a lot of credit. I tweeted this earlier. I'm like, the Royals have surprised me with these moves. I wasn't expecting this. Like, I, it's a good pickup. Like, Miner and Santana isn't going to make the playoff team. No, but does it at least put them towards the contention of being above mediocre? Yeah, like they can maybe get close to 500 if they touch up a few more things. Their lineup's actually pretty good. They needed some guys that could walk more. The pitching staff's decent with Singer. They have a few other guys, but they need their pitching. They got to boost the pitching at this point, I would say. I found it pretty ironic with the signing because the Royals gave Santana $17.5 million, and I know there's incentives built into that contract as well. But I just found it from the ironic point that this is the $17.5 million that Cleveland declined Santana with. And they could oh, have wow. felt, I could have felt like, that the Indians could have uh, easily given Santana the 17 and a half rather than the Royals. Uh, The Royals, I think went out there and overpaid a little bit, but uh, here again, these small market teams kind of go kind of going out there, making what they want out of these players, getting who they want and uh, trying to make themselves competitive in that AL central. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with these markets right now, I just, there's a lot of teams I tweeted out earlier, other than, you know, the White Sox and the Rangers. The Angels made a couple of trades. The Royals. A lot of teams are, are kind of just playing the waiting game. And Ryan uh, tweeted on under that tweet commenting that the Mets are probably going to be active here soon. But what I mean is 
everyone's just waiting. It's they're playing the waiting game, and I feel like a lot of these teams, even the smaller market teams, be, should be taking advantage of these. And if it's not the Springers or the Real Mutos or the Bowers, there's a lot of talent on this in this market that I would expect to trickle fast. You know, at least during this during this week. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Um, the waiting game is it's really really. You know, boring during the winter yeah. meetings. Like yeah, I, a- I like it when it's busy. Like oh, something big just happened. Literally, you you get oh, this just happened. Five minutes later, another big thing just happened. Sitting around, it's it's a waiting game. Like this whole year has just been nothing but a sitting around waiting game for everything. Things to get better, things to be moving on, and it's just continuing. And you know, the winter meetings this year, it's it really bothers me that you know what these circumstances had to make it virtual. I think being there is a lot better, but uh, yeah, the waiting game, it sucks, man. It really does. Like literally waking up every, I love waking up in the morning during these times, especially because I'm a big football guy and in football free agency, it's a lot different than baseball. Football free agency is done two days before it even starts. So with baseball, literally, I love waking up being like, Oh, there's a huge signing. Did it happen? Like last year, like with Garrett Cole literally happened. I think the second or third night we were in San Diego and that was the biggest thing for the next two days. But right now it's just a waiting game. So hopefully, you know what, within the next few hours today and maybe early tomorrow morning, maybe we'll get some movement. Yeah, it just sucks. And like me and Bobby have been saying this over and over again and just remind us exactly in 2017 what's going on right now. I don't know if it's going to take that long, but the uncertainty is definitely playing a part in this because they don't know DH. They don't know if the season's starting on time, if fans are coming back, how many. There's too many things going on here. I don't know if any of the big guys will come off the board. Like I said, I hope Springer comes off at least so we have something. I was hopeful for DJ, but it seems like it's going to be a waiting game with that. It's just the times have really hurt the market. Yeah, one, one thing that caught me off guard, and I wish Noah was here to kind of talk about this because he's a big Phillies fan, but what was your take on the idea of Zach Wheeler even being thrown out in rumors and, and how Bryce Harper would feel if you were him? I know, you know, their claim is that they lost a lot of money with revenue and the lack of fans and COVID-19 season, but they were also just spending quote-unquote stupid money a few seasons ago. And, and if I'm Bryce Harper, I would be furious even if a zach wheeler trade doesn't happen which i don't think it will um i was kind of shocked to see that at least be a rumor i was really surprised with that too like all this stuff in the marketplace i was going to say before there's only about five teams i wrote the article about the meetings like there's only five to six teams really willing to spend money right now you just saw one of them with the white Sox. toronto's willing to do it mets are willing angels yankees and dodgers honestly like the Yankees will end up spending, even if it's not much more than DJ, like that's still something. The Dodgers will get Turner back and probably add to their bullpen or something. They're just, they have the luxury to wait, but it's only a few teams who are like controlling this thing right now. Then the Royals out of nowhere surprising us. And the Braves have spent too, actually. The Braves have already picked mm-hmm. up two starting pitchers. I mean, when you look at this with Zach Wheeler, I was shocked he was even there, would even entertain that. They, they just got him last year. I thought he did pretty well in his time there. But, yeah, you know what? With Bryce Harper, yeah, I'd be pissed, definitely, after you go there and then they want to do – it's it's frustrating, you know what? Because when the Phillies made all these moves, we're, we're sitting around being like, oh, wow, the Phillies are making some moves. They could be really good for quite some time. And, you know what, I this whole year 
you know what, due to financial constraints of everything and the loss of money for everybody, nothing surprises me anymore. But for the uh, Phillies to get rid of Wheeler, a guy who they spent a hell of a lot of money on and really helps that rotation be really, really good, I think that's foolish to even entertain it. I really think it was just more or less a rumor coming out of Philly, and I don't think it's actually as true as what the media is kind of portraying it out to be. I don't think that somebody uh, in the likes of Zach Wheeler that you'd want to go out and trade the year after you sign him, especially when you're putting together a team with Bryce Harper. And uh, the other thing, too, is their time's running out. They've got some key free agents that I kind of touched upon yesterday where their contracts are expiring in the next few years. And uh, you really don't want to see that team, that core that the Phillies put together, go to waste. So I think it'd be foolish of them if they were to try and trade Wheeler unless the return package is just extraordinary. Yeah, and, and you know, Wheeler is not the only name I've heard over there. I, I know in the middle infielder market is kind of heavy. People are looking for infielders. And, and Gene Sakura, I've heard his name often with them trying to possibly move him. So it's just it just makes me scratch my scratch my head a little bit because, you know, they, they've got a little bit of a, I wouldn't even call it a core, but we saw Alec Bohm come into play and what he's able to do. And obviously Harper, they have Nola and Wheeler in the rotation. They need a bullpen, and that's clear. But they have pieces that they could build around. And why they would want to subtract for that just doesn't make sense. But we were talking about the Angels earlier, and I'm kind of excited to see them make moves. You know, they got Iglesias. They're they're trying to spend, hopefully, with starting pitching. And I want to see them build around Trout. We've been waiting how many years for people mm-hmm. to to join Trout over there. Obviously, spending with Rendon last offseason. But... They've missed out on starting pitching time and time again, and I think it's finally this year to spend that money and give Trout the chance. Absolutely, 100%. I feel really bad for Mike Trout. The guy's arguably one of the greatest, if not greatest, baseball player who's ever lived with everything he does, and he's surrounded by really bad baseball play. He's, I think, am I correct? I don't even uh, – he's been to the postseason like a handful of times or not Just even once. at all. Just yeah. once. And they there got slapped too. It's it's, it's pathetic, really is. They it need is. they need to build around that. And now that this and the one thing this team needs more than anything is starting pitching. Keep I mean if if yeah. I'm the Angels, I'm I'm calling up uh Rachel Luba and saying, Here, here's a blank check. Tell Trevor we'll we'll see that's him in a what, few weeks. That's what so, they should do. <laughs> I mean, it that what a way to you know what, this year after a crazy year, go spend, go get that ace you've been looking for. You already helped out the lineup for Trout and build something in Anaheim. You know what? I want to see this. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I want to see Mike Trout get to the postseason. And if it's not against the Yankees, I want to see him get a ring. I do. I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think they they need more than Bauer. I mean, yes, get Bauer. But there's guys on the market right now. and We've been talking about it. There's so many. Even if they're not the guys that you can put in your – one through three slot in your rotation. Even a guy like James Paxson, who's towards, I mean, he's up in the air with injuries and if he can stay on the field, but the left-handed arm that you're not going to really find on this market and it's someone that can eat innings for them and, and they need that. So I think that's right. a good fit there too. But is there anything that about these meetings that you're like that you're looking for or that you want to see happen? Yeah, sure. I mean, Brian Hoyk actually explained what's how they're doing the virtual ones. When we talked to him yesterday, he said like they hadn't even set up the thing yet. He said it's like one big Zoom thing that they're going to be in, but it's going to be like, it's just weird. But he said it doesn't really matter that much for the agents because like he was saying Cashman could just call DJ's agent. He doesn't need this to do it. But I guess it's just like rumors, people talking like 
all the reporters are going back and forth. Like it's it's just like 2018 almost. Like everyone has different stories on what's going on. Like it's slow. People are taking guesses. A lot of things aren't certain, you know. But I want to see Springer get off the board at least. Get someone move. Get someone significant off the board because if Springer gets off the board, then JT probably signs because the Blue Jays are interested in Springer. If he goes to the Mets, maybe they go to JT. And vice versa, too. Like, if the Mets miss on Springer, maybe they do JT instead of um, James McCann to the Mets, I think is a good possibility, though. They seem to be very interested. I mean, what the winner means, I just want to hear that DJ is coming back. I just want to get that over with, bring him back, and then move on to the other issues we have to do. But I also, like Julian said, I want to see where everybody's going to land. Like, literally, one thing – during free agency two years ago when Machado and Harper, I was on literally my phone every day and I was sitting at my office. Literally my boss would be like, all right, we need to do this today. And I'm just scrolling through my phone. They're like, Bobby, what are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I want to see where uh, Machado and Bryce <laughs> Harper are ending up. Oh my God. And um, disaster. I just want to see literally some more movement. I also want to hear that the universal DH is approved all over the place in both divisions. That's another thing I want to hear coming out of this. I just want to hear some something literally because it like Brian Hope told us yesterday, like Julian said, nothing was even set up yet. And it was, it was, I know it's the first day, but I'm, I was actually, I think came between at like that. seven that they set it up or something. I was blown away that they didn't have that set up. I thought they'd have like things already set up by like uh Sunday yeah. night. I, yeah. I was shocked at that. I was surprised by that too. He was like, I'm texting people to see what's going on. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, this is where we're at right now. Yeah, sounds like a mess, but I think that kind of gives me some, some hope here that, you know, later in the week when things actually get organized, um, that we'll be able to see some more come into play. But Ryan, is there, other than the Mets signing every free agent on the market, is there one thing that you're looking at that you want to see from the meetings? I mean, obviously, besides all the big name signings and see somebody go somewhere, or maybe a big trade happen. But I'm a big minor league baseball guy, and I think that's very important to the sport and to Major League Baseball as a whole. And I know tomorrow, uh, I believe there's letters or reports going out to teams, the 120 teams, that is, of which teams are going to be invited to participate and have affiliation with Major League teams. Oh, wow. um, so I think it's really going to be interesting to find out that tomorrow, hopefully, or maybe even Thursday, but the, uh, minor league baseball system is being shrunk down because of the control over major league baseball and they're reducing it from 160 teams to 120. So I'm kind of curious to see what type of 40 teams get left out tomorrow and what type of impact that could have, uh, on some of the organizations moving forward. Yeah. Not just those organizations. I don't mean to be selfish, but that has an impact on me. Ryan, I know you're a job seeker. Julian, I believe you were at the job fair last yep. year as well. Um, that's kind of something that I'm really missing out on, despite being in the hall and, and seeing what Big Dio finds out, you know, where who goes where. That's one of the huge things I'm missing right now about not being in Dallas is the opportunity to interview for some of these positions that I was offered for but couldn't take because I was in school. So I recently just graduated this year in Congratulations. May. Congratulations. Thank you. Congrats. And now it's my opportunity and we're sitting here on the virtual uh, winter meetings, but hopefully in Nashville, things will be back to normal in 2021. And that'll kind of Fingers be the opportunity. Crossed. Fingers crossed. At the end of the day, it's, we all love baseball. And I think we want to continue to grow the sport rather than kind of shrink it's it or reduce it. 
And I think that's exactly what we're kind of seeing happen here. And it's really sad. And I know the MLB is just trying to uh, cut corners a little bit, but I really don't think it helps the game looking long-term. No, it's just the minors have been a mess all year. They've actually been hit worse than anyone with this. Over 40 teams gone, the jobs have shrunk. And even before we know from talking to these people, the pay is not very good for the minor league jobs as it was. So I can't imagine that situation getting better with everything that's happened. And they've already had a hard time selling tickets. So how are they going to sell them now with all this? It's just, it's not. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. It's just not good. It's just going on. It's all COVID, but. You mentioned an interesting point with the minor leagues and how much they're being paid. We actually had Slade Heathcott on, who is big with helping out minor league baseball players. And he's got, he's working for multiple foundations that try and, you know, provide these players because he was telling us when we had him on that there's some talent out there in the minor leagues that can't even get by and, and kind of just walk away from the game of baseball because they're not, they don't have enough to live off of. Never mind, you know, equipment and, and rent expenses and things like that. So it's a, it's a real shame to know that money is obviously everything. It's a business at the end of the day and that there's there's talent out there that has to walk away from the game because they're getting paid less than someone working at the cash register at Walmart. It's really unfortunate. It really is. Uh, just there's these. T- I feel like in minor leagues, you know what? These are the future. I mean, for some players, when you get drafted, you go to the minor leagues, and when you take that away, you're taking – so much opportunity away from everybody, from people who were drafted, who are who are uh, rookies for you guys, and for workers from there. It's just just a really bad time. I really hope you know what. Last year, I didn't go to the. I was at the winter meetings. I didn't go to the uh, job fair. Unfortunately, if I could rewind time, I would have. But um, you know what? A lot of opportunity in the fact that there's no money in it. I hope that things change down the road because every there are a lot of great young minds like yourself, like you, Ryan, like Julian and I, that, you know, what can really be an asset right there. And we want, our dream is to work in sports and work in the uh, sport we love, which is baseball. And in a way it kind of like ripped away an opportunity from us and everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's a good time to kind of ask you guys, what you think about this MLB draft league and how you think that'll play out? Um, Definitely an interesting topic or a diff- interesting idea. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how that works out in this upcoming season. Yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen with that. It's I saw the new format. It's really crazy. Last year, the draft was only five rounds, which is really unorthodox. Another thing this year hurt. It's just everything's going to be different moving forward, and it just sucks for the guys in the minors. Everyone's getting hurt. Even the guys in the game now, because the contracts are going to be less, except for the marquee, except for the marquee guys we're talking about, and the starting pitching market's been surprisingly very high salaries for some guys we weren't expecting. Everyone's getting hurt with this, right? For sure. One yeah, thing the, that I, oh, go ahead, Bobby. No, no, I'm sorry, bro. All you, bro. Oh no, I was going to go on to the next subject because so, I had no, no, thing you I can. To bring. It's all good. It's all good. Okay, I just wanted to bring up like this, continuing on with some of these changes that we're seeing in baseball. Um, a lot of teams have already been told, uh, especially in the National League, to prepare for this upcoming season without a DH. What are your thoughts on the universal DH? I kind of wanted to touch on that subject. I think that the universal DH is what's best for baseball. Uh, P- here's the thing. It helps out the National League because here's the thing. Nobody is going to the Nas- National League games to watch pitchers bat. And another thing that bothers me in the National League, if a pitcher's having a gym, 
you have to take him out because you need you might have to take him out because of uh well actually I said that wrong. If he's pitching a gym, you gotta really consider if you're down, if he's really pitching what you're down a run, two to one, but he's one run, three hits, ten or eleven strikeouts, you might want have to take him out to pinch hit, and then you gotta bring in a reliever and you don't know what's gonna happen. So with me, I think personally, and I I don't know how you guys think about it, but I think the universal DH is what's best for baseball moving forward. I think it works out for everybody, and it that's the, what it needs to do. And it also helps out the National League teams like the Dodgers, like the Cardinals, and everybody because they don't have to worry. They don't have to worry about – and also another thing, a pitcher hits us uh, a um, – into the gap and gets a double and he pulls a hamstring. Then he's on the 10 day IL 60 day IL. So I, I think the universal DH is what's best for baseball. No, I completely agree with you. And I, I think Matt feels the same way. Um, we definitely would like to see a universal DH. And unfortunately I think they're using that as a bartering chip for when the collective bargaining agreement comes up next year, this time. And it's really unfortunate because it hurts teams now and it doesn't help them right now. And it doesn't help them for in the future. These National League teams are preparing to not have a DH for next year, and that's challenging, you know. Uh, for pl- teams like the Dodgers or the Mets who have these power bats or um, the Reds could easily use that as well. They, it's really tough just kind of seeing them prepare this offseason for something that may not even last uh, moving forward into the future. You know what it is? I, I was going to bring this up when Bobby said it before, but – they're not going to do the DH because of what you said. And it's another thing with Manfred and MLB. It's like a back and forth game. It's going to an ugly spot at 22. And another thing I'm worried about is if and when we return to those meetings, we might not even have any real baseball to talk about. It might just be about a strike if we're going to have a season or not. So that's going to be something that we're going to have to look for because the players and owners are so far apart. Like you can't, there's nothing that could bring them together at this point. I mean, they're so one-sided. Manfred had to force the season. Let's not forget how that happened. That was not an easy situation to get us to our shortened season. And nothing's changed to make it better. And the DH being used as a bargaining chip only shows that even more. Yeah, I just, no, I just don't see why they're so far. I mean, I get why they're so far apart, and, I, and I'm for the players. Money. It's all about money. But, I mean, everyone's essentially winning. I mean, these owners are billionaires, and these players – they just want to be what paid with their worth. And I, I just, I mean, I guess I see it better from their perspective. I just don't understand why, uh, why they can't come to a, an agreement. And not only for the game of baseball, but for the fans, I mean, for the, everyone else involved, this is, this is bigger than themselves. This is bigger than the players. This is this you know, America's pastime. And um, to see it just be crumbled by these disagreements year in and year out is really unfortunate. It's terrible. Yeah, but, um, it's just really uh, uh, when it comes to CBA negotiations in any sport, it's really uh, irritating because everybody wants a piece of the pie and, and no one's ever satisfied. They want one thing you agree to that. They change it. They want something else. It's just it's yeah. just a back and forth game and back to I'm honestly to get off topic real quick about football. I'm happy that they didn't have to worry about a strike and they got something done right away. Hopefully fingers crossed that in baseball, they could do that. But the one thing that I think needs to be negotiated is Rob Manfred getting kicked out of office. I think that's the first thing that needs to get done. Yeah. If only. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can, 
be hopeful of that. But I think you mentioned a good point with football. And, you know, baseball is kind of one of the sports, you know, we've called it the dying sport or, or fans Absolutely. have. And it's it's honestly the truth. I mean, we see basketball, they're coming in. And did you see all those trades go down, those blockbusters yep. move after oh, move? Yeah. And they were in a bubble and their COVID season was not flawless, but next to it. And these other organizations, these other big leagues are having next to no issues. And Major League Baseball is just fighting tooth and nail to get the season on. And uh, yeah. it's really embarrassing. It is. Not to get too far off topic, but how about NBA teams receiving financial relief because of the COVID? And MLB can't even get that straightened out. Give MLB teams financial relief. I believe I thought it was uh, $30 million that kind of each NBA team is getting yeah. as a result of this. Like, that's good for the NBA teams, obviously, but how come something like this can't happen in uh, Major League Baseball, you know? It should, and you guys make a good point. Me and Bobby talk about the other sports also, how they are playing almost full seasons, the other sports. NBA is only missing nine games to put everything that happened. Baseball might be looking at 120 or 130 if we start in May next year, which is another thing. It just, just sucks. We want it to be back to normal. We want normal spring training, opening day, with fans, hopefully, however many that might be. But it just doesn't look like they're going to go down that road. It's nothing certain yet, but it's just it just seems like from people we've talked to and stuff that it's not going to happen on time as it should. Right. And you mentioned spring training. I hope that is back to normal because I know you go there to Tampa every year. Or, I, or I've seen you there last year, I believe. But Ryan and I look to plan a trip to go out to Tampa and, and visit not only the Yankees in their spring training camp, but I'm not sure. Have you ever gone to the other parks like Philly and Toronto? Dunedin. I have. I yeah. have. I live in Tampa, by the way. So if you guys are in the area, definitely hit me up. So, uh, um, yeah, I've been a few years ago. I went to where the Braves play and where the Phillies play and also Dunedin where the um, Blue Jays play. It's a really nice area. Definitely. For sure. This might be an unpopular opinion. I know spring training can be meaningless games and, and they are. But if if it's not the postseason, spring training is some of the best experiences as a fur fan. I mean, you're right there. You're, the players are personable with you. It's hands-on. And you kind of get to just feel like you can be a fan at spring training. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but it's yeah. such a different experience from a game. I was, like, trying to juggle fan and work because, like, I was, like, analyzing stuff. Like, I was like, ah, this is cool. But I was, like, doing recaps and uh, previews of it each day, like, writing some stuff about it. Next year, we're all hoping to go together, me and Bobby, if everything can be normal. And we're going to continue to build on that, try to talk to some people. But – the time to go to spring training isn't when they're actually playing. You know this, though, it's the practices that first week before they actually start the games because, I mean, it's baseball still. The games just don't really do it for me because, like, no one really plays that long. The starters play for, like, three innings. And there's guys even we've never even heard of that are patrolling the field. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I got to check the scorebook to be like, what number is this to? Like, what part of the system is he in? Like, am I ever going to see this guy play in the majors? Probably not. <laughs> you know, it's just – but the practices are where it's at, though. You get, like, a lot of the raw emotion you were talking about, like unfiltered thoughts, comments. Like, you could hear them say stuff. And if you get it on your phone, then you can have a viral hit or something. Like, you know, it's just that. It just goes like that sometimes. Yeah, for sure. But before we head out, going back to the winter meetings, it doesn't have to necessarily be about the winter meetings, but we kind of always end our episode with a hot take. You know, it could be about the season. It could be about winter meetings. Whatever you kind of see that um, may be an unpopular opinion, that's kind of normally how we end the things off. But um, um, if you guys have a hot take that you're ready to share, you can you can give one. Ryan, do you have one ready? Because I uh, I don't have one at the moment. But uh, just kind of thinking off the top of my head, freely, 
Um, seeing how many teams are interested, and I know Ken Rosenthal just put out a tweet saying that the Padres are in on the Lance Lynn deal too before he got dealt to Chicago. Uh, I have a feeling that more teams are looking at starting pitching than we think, as we've kind of seen so far from what we've uh, seen from the deals. But I think we're going to see another starting pitcher get traded in the next 48 hours. I don't know who. I don't know where. Um, but I, I just I have a feeling that we're going to continue to see pitching come off the board pretty quick. I'm going to make a hot take for you right now. I think the Mets are going to flex. They're going to get Trevor Bauer, and they're going to get Springer, and they'll get uh, McCann. That's my uh, hot take. I think they really ball out. Um, <laughs> that would be a big statement from the Mets. Julian, do you have one ready? If not, I just thought of mine. All right, yeah, I'm still trying to formulate okay. mine. I'm trying to think of like his outside the box trade candidate. Actually, I guess I might have a couple interesting ones, but you can go first. Okay, I'll go first. So I, um, you know, Ryan mentioned the Padres and them being in on starting pitching, and I think a good fit is Blake Snell. I, I think like the Padres one. have the have the the talent. I think they have the talent to offer the Rays, and obviously teams should be skeptical when trading with the Rays because they always got something up their sleeve. But I think it works out for both organizations. You know, Blake Snell wasn't treated fairly in my eyes during the postseason. He's always been pulled, not even just in the postseason, but he's always had a short leash, four and two-thirds on average is normally what his, his outings are, and I don't think it's necessarily his stuff. I think it's just race baseball. And we saw the Rays, and the race baseball can be excellent, but I just I think it's time for Blake Snell. They're not going to pay him long-term. Let him go, get the prospects, and I think the Padres are, are ready. We saw what they could do in 2020. And they're ready to add, and they are—they are, just seem like a good fit. They—they they need an extra starting pitching. Obviously, with Clevenger being hurt, that's down in the arm. So I think they're going to be aggressive with that. At least they should be. And Blake Snell seems like a good idea for them. All right, so I like that one a lot, Bobby. I like yours too. I have a few interesting ones. It all goes with trades. So I think the Blue Jays ends up getting Lindor. That's probably the hottest take out of anything I might say right now. I think Chris Bryant gets traded. The Marlins are not Phillies. I would say Marlins are national. Marlins might be a dark horse for Chris Bryant, I think, but Nationals might be the favorite. I also think Arenado, if he gets moved, watch out for the Mets. Like if if they could somehow figure that out. Wow. Yeah. I, I if Major League Baseball, can, well, that's not necessarily in Major League Baseball's hand, but if those players you just named can all get moved during this off season, I would be um, thrilled. I would be excited. I'd be amazed. Yes. Um, I think realistically you get Brian and Lindor. Arenado doesn't go anywhere. Right. Right. Well, thank you again, Julian and Bobby, for joining us. Make sure you guys follow them at Grunt Sports MLB. Is that correct? Can you give them your app? Because you have so many. It's okay. Grunt Talks MLB is our website. Grunt Talks team is Twitter and Instagram. And then you guys also have personal Twitters as well if you want to follow them on Twitter. But you can all follow us at MLB Marathon on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I mean, even TikTok, for gosh sakes, we're everywhere. So thank you guys again for joining us, and hopefully we have a, an enthusiastic winter meetings that we could talk about during the season. Thanks thank so much so for much, having guys. us. Appreciate Thanks, it. Guys.